0: Today's discussion is challenging accepted norms. Most people consider cloud, note the air quotes, to be limited to a handful of companies, you know, the brand names that you've heard, but it's a real fact that any company can actually build a cloud infrastructure. It doesn't have to be in a limited number of massive data centers in arcane locations located next to massive power supplies in just a small number of locations around the world. In today's sponsored show, we're talking with Juniper Networks about making the case that service providers are building cloud services and that enterprises should be considering those options. Now, let's remember that lots of cloud people have committed their personal careers to existing brands, you know, the ones we're talking about and their hysteria on the existing cloud is based on what's possible. But there is nothing out there that prevents corporations and service providers from developing their own cloud infrastructure where it makes sense to do so. Joining us today is Kevin Hutchins from Juniper Networks to make the case that service providers can thrive and compete in a cloud-based economy by providing some insights into how Juniper and its products, the new products that we've been talking about on the show quite a bit, will be key part of a new ecosystem, a cloud at the edge. And it's going to be in the telco edge. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Now people may not consider their service providers as cloud providers, but let's kick off with a summary of what service providers can do to compete in this market. Why are they getting into building cloud services?
1: Thanks for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity. I think the first thing for us to acknowledge is exactly what you said about there's a different type of cloud that's being built now there's a a formation of clouds that differ from the cloud that uh, many people recognize with the the traditional cloud providers of AWS Google etc and it's a it's a cloud that's being deployed at the edge of the network closer to where the applications and the users will meet, but taking advantage of that location that ultimately improves the performance and uh, the ultimate uh, experience that the customers are going to have. And the formation of that edge cloud, I think, is really where there's an opportunity for others that, you know, really specialize in uh, infrastructure that is being managed in a distributed way, um, in a more localized way, to come in and and compete, and that's really what the strength of the service providers is. Mm. So we think that there is an opportunity there um, for the service providers to to play a much bigger role in the formation of of these edge clouds. So I think
0: you're kind of making the case there that service providers might not provide traditional cloud, what people would think of as traditional cloud services. It's not going to be click here for a VM and you can run your VMware on top of that. It's going to be something different, much more application-specific and service delivery focused.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The traditional cloud model was built, I mean, the even the term hyperscaler, I think connotes quite well what the objective is, which is how do I consolidate as much of the investment into large scale data centers in very, you know, low cost low cost of power type environments. Um, so very centralized, but very, uh, you know, positioned in, in very low cost environments mm. with massive scale to really drive down the unit cost for those that are building applications and wanting to do that, uh, you know, with borrowed infrastructure. The, the converse of the edge is really about the latency and the bandwidth sensitivity of certain applications or or parts of the application more of the the user plane if you will as opposed to necessarily the the control plane mm. and how do i you know maximize that experience for the customer that will be consuming that application and so by having the ability to deploy those applications or portion of those applications at the edge i really provide you know know, that capability where I remove the, you know, that latency impact or or the bandwidth related impact that I'd have with centralized clouds. Yeah. So
0: I think what you're drilling into there, and let me see if I can read that back to you, is you're sort of saying like Facebook would be one way I think of this is Facebook might well use a content delivery network to cache static content around the world, but the vast majority of all the dynamic data actually gets dragged back to its data centers in Uh, the East Coast of the USA. And that might not be the most efficient way to build a business model if you're doing dynamic integration with customers, if you want to do some sort of low latency, high speed type of application capability. Maybe if you're monitoring machines in factories or you're monitoring vehicles in places, you'd be better having some part of your application running locally in the pops at the edge of the network rather than backhauling it to some data center in, you know, Ten thousand miles away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about the the cost associated with all all of that backhauling. You know, for what ultimately will be a lot of data that once it's reduced, you know, won't be retaining any value anymore um, in the centralized cloud. Um, but also think about the the time lag in the control loop if you're actually moving to try to use that information for automation um, if you go through that backhauling exercise. And so there really is a, a use mm-hmm. case for moving cloud functionality closer out to the edge in order to uh, address those types of opportunities. And there's lots of opportunities emerging. I mean, you you mentioned static content and caching, but now, especially during this period of the pandemic, you're seeing a lot more push towards live streaming. um, And how do you uh, take advantage of that on an interactive basis? You're also seeing other types of, of applications that are becoming much more relevant in order to uh, to drive that experience with customers. Things like AR is becoming much more prevalent, much faster than I think a lot of people expected. And again, how do you drive that type of experience without having you know more functionality out the edge? And I think that's really where there's an opportunity.
0: So can I ask you a question here? How does Juniper get involved with this? Like, I know that Contrail is a pretty broad technology stack now for Juniper. It stretches across a lot of different areas, not just um, setting up MPLS, you know, label switch paths across a backbone. It's got a lot of stuff. So you're actually saying that Juniper's Contrail is now extended to actually deliver edge cloud capabilities in some way?
1: Well, you know, so we've been with Contrail, you know, we've been uh, working with customers to build edge cloud functionality for a long time. Uh, You know, our several of our, especially our service provider customers have been building uh, clouds at the edge specifically uh, to deploy uh, network services. So as they virtualize those network services, they're using Contrail as a, a key infrastructure layer to um to orchestrate and manage those uh, network services. So this is a you know, one of the key components of the solution that we deploy with our customers today. And you see this, you know, I think, becoming increasingly more interesting to all of the customers that are trying to uh, move applications to the edge.
0: so what strikes me, Kevin here, is that, this sounds a little bit like there's a classic example here where telcos are deploying radio access networks, or the 5G. In the transition from 4G to 5G, one of the big things here is that the infrastructure is changing from this fixed appliance, hardware-specific place to a, a sort of a mini data center at the bottom of every mobile tower. There's x86 servers, there's generic switches. We're seeing the switch up from 2 gig or 100 gig, you know, 1 one gig to 400 gig in the edge. and all of the apps that run the radio network and the routing and the authentication and the user monitoring the accounting counting is all getting deployed into like a mini cloud infrastructure. Is that an example of Edge Cloud? And is it something that we could say, well, if we're doing that for 5G RAN, enterprises could jump on that building business apps for customers?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great example. You know, we're working with um, one of the uh, large carriers in Europe Um, where we have deployed um, and helped them uh, build uh, an edge cloud um, that takes uh, existing um, fixed line services and deploys them on a open cloud platform uh, with automation that you know, uh, provides the that that particular service to their customers um, with a lot more flexibility and cost savings compared to hmm. a vertically integrated solution. But at the same time, it's a horizontal cloud platform that they can leverage for other applications as well. And the next step of that is then to push that into that open RAN type environment. So how do they push more horizontal cloud closer to the access point? They get the same benefit of virtualizing those RAN services, as you described, but they have a horizontal yeah. cloud platform that they can leverage for other applications.
0: Now, I guess the flip side here is that once they're using like the Contrail Edge capabilities, because Contrail is a much broader church here, it's got a whole spectrum of capabilities, Um and you've been using Contrail to deploy VMs and containers on a hypervisor infrastructure for customers for a while now. And I, I guess one of the things that you could say is if you're doing it for themselves, telcos could then start to offer that to other people and point to themselves and say, we're eating our own dog food and now we're making it available to you.
1: Yeah, telcos are in a, a very interesting position. Again, just going back to the question about like the formation of edge clouds as a, an opportunity, they have that existing footprint. They have the ability to build an edge cloud infrastructure on their own and deploy services today that th- that they're already uh, monetizing. I use the example mm. of you know fixed line voice services. They have the ability to do that um, uh, now. But there is a an opportunity because they have those locations, because they're in the network already. They have the ability now, with you know, once they have the cloud capabilities, to add additional applications there um, a, and provide those to their customers. They're really in a unique position to put uh, the edge to work.
0: What you're saying there is that the things that they're doing with voice and with the RAN is sort of examples of what you could do. So if I'm an enterprise and I've got a service that I've been delivering to customers, potentially I could actually deploy it into the telco network itself. And that might be the best solution for them.
1: Yeah. it. it you know, the network, it, you're already taking advantage of uh, their existing um, edge locations. You're taking advantage of the existing uh, network that they have. It's a very dense network. Um, it'll get denser as they push edge cloud out uh, closer to the, the RAN as well. Um, so, mm. if you're an enterprise, it gives you the ability to really leverage upon that footprint that's there um, yeah. for uh, edge applications.
0: And it's and there, you know, there's there's some obvious physical aspects to that. There's like low latency. So, if you've got data, you're collecting data from a customer site, and then you need to process it very quickly and then respond back very quickly. Obviously, having it at the edge makes more sense. Then sending it back to some remote data center, which is like two hundred milliseconds away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I think the uh, you know, as you consider um, the what enterprises are solving for today, it's you know, one is the performance of the application. So it'll be latency, or it could be bandwidth sensitivity, um, the ability to reduce backhaul. Those are real, um, you know, tangible benefits of of moving um, applications to the edge. But in addition to that, the, you know, there's a there's a whole class of applications that are coming where you know the performance uh, will will not be sufficient if it's being run. Out of centralized data centers, uh, live streaming is right. one that's happening already. Um, I think you see this, you know, playing out more in the gaming space as well. Um, but these other application areas are coming quite fast, where we're, we'll need to have, you know, more uh, uh, cloud computing capability at the edge in order to make the application successful.
0: So one of the things that interests me is that Juniper's got a partnership going on with StackPath. I don't actually understand the details here, but StackPath is actually a product portfolio that actually um, manages computing infrastructure and computing services at the edge of the cloud. It's kind of like I think, let me have a go at getting this right and then you can tell me where I'm wrong. If you're a developer, you basically call a bunch of APIs and then StackPath can instantiate the computing infrastructure and the services that you want. Is that basically the idea? What's the, How does Juniper convince customers that this is the right partnership or the right way forward?
1: Yeah, so that, that's exactly how StackPath works is it's, a, it's an edge uh, infrastructure as a service as well as a platform as a service offering. Um, They have uh, nearly 50, you know, edge locations around the world. Um, It's all API driven. It provides the ability to um, uh, easily uh, run applications either in the StackPath cloud or um, with uh, service provider partners where StackPath has been deployed into their networks to run it in uh, the provider network as well. Um, Mm. And it, it... Easily integrates with, um, uh, as well, with hyperscalers. So, you know, for customers that are uh, deploying, you know, applications where they want to continue to leverage their uh, existing development environments uh, in the public cloud, um, they are still able to uh, do that and integrate uh, directly with, uh, you know, StackPath for deploying uh, portions or, or elements of the application at the edge.
0: I want to sort of talk now about the cons- the competitive situation and how I guess the elephant in this discussion, the elephant in the room that no one's talking about, is that the hyperscalers, the brand named hyperscalers, have really jumped on this opportunity, in the sense that they've um, started to roll out services that push stuff into customer, you know, on premises for customers, and uh, into. Uh, trying to stretch themselves into more locations. If if I'm a service provider, if I'm a network mm-hmm. operator, why wouldn't they just go with a, a cloud provider? Why not just go and turn around and do a partnership with AWS and resell, you know, Azure or whatever, and then just resell that? What, where's the value here?
1: Well, I think I think you first have to start with what's the strength of the hyperscaler solution, and the you know, predominantly today they're building um, uh, you know very large scale. Cloud architectures that allow them to drive down the cost uh, for their customers, but they're they're not built to be agnostic uh, with regards to other. Uh, you know, other cloud providers. So that means that if you're a service provider and you're gonna be working with the cloud provider, you're making a choice as to which cloud provider that you wanna partner with, as opposed to, you know, creating that as an option uh, amongst many for all of uh, your customers. So that's one key, I think, uh, position that the service providers have to consider. The second is that, you know, the, the hyperscalers um, you know, predominantly today for their own edge footprint, um, it's quite limited. Um, and they are investing to build more, they're investing to bring, you know, stacks that they can drop into a provider network as well. But they, it, it's not like the service providers are getting massive leverage off from uh, those hyperscaler solutions at this point. Um, so when you sort of take those two things and combine it together with that the service providers have the customers, they they're also providing existing connectivity services, which is actually a key part of that solution of the edge for the enterprise customers. It's not just about you know an edge cloud itself, like the compute and storage. It's It's got to be optimized for um, the networking and security that's going to be running at the edge. And that's an area where the service providers do have the ability to offer value add. Um, so you're saying
0: that what they do to make the, the system good for them. This is this is one of my biggest sort of concerns about the current state of the public cloud is the cloud that you get is the cloud that works for the, the for the cloud provider. You can have any color VM you like as long as it's the one that they sell. You can have any service as long as it's the way that it is. There's no ability to customize or adapt it to what you want. Now, admittedly, they've got a wide range of services, but your ability to... Um, take control of that and maximise the value, or to flex according to what you need, is pretty limited. If they're not going to build an edge product that fits you, that that your application might need, you're kind of stuck with what you got, and you can start working around the problem, and you end up. Well, working around the problem,
1: yeah. and and look, this is an area where I think the 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 telcos, albeit maybe they, you know, uh, have have not necessarily demonstrated um, you know their ability uh, to capture these trends in the past. they they are uniquely positioned here. Because of the footprint, because they have the relationship with the customer, because they provide, you know, uh, networking and security services, which are key to making, you know, uh, things running at the edge successful, um, and they're they're traditionally they're open. Right, they're they're very standards based. They're open. Um, they have the ability to be agnostic. I think actually mm-hmm. creates a lot of significant value for enterprises as they think about making their own migrations to cloud. So, you know, one of the things that we you know uh, think is an opportunity here for the service providers is that you know a customer, enterprise customer as they move to cloud. They they want to take advantage of all of those scaled opportunities that you described, right? You know, I can I could spin up a VM very easily. I have storage services that I can leverage for, you know, for certain applications that might be bursty or need a lot of excess memory or so forth. But yeah. I also don't want to get I don't want to pay to have my data managed in the cloud. I that I mean, me having to pay an egress charge on my own data is is actually very expensive. So if I had the ability to manage my data at the edge, I can manage it from a privacy and a security perspective. I can easily incorporate that into my cloud applications, but I don't get charged with egress. I don't get locked into a specific yeah. architecture. That's a big opportunity. And I think the, hyper, or the service providers are actually in a unique position there to offer that functionality um, as part of. This uh, long going migration to the cloud.
0: We certainly hear people complain about two, several things in the cloud, but in terms of networking context, one is the ability, the egress charges, like the cost of the network is uh, surprisingly expensive and often in unexpected ways. Like it's not that you can plan for network costs, and the second thing is is that you don't actually cannot build a business relationship with a cloud provider. right? They provide cattle services. We talked a lot about cattle versus pets and how cloud models um, transition away from infrastructure as pets and it looks like cattle. The flip side here is that customers are also treated like cattle. You stop being a pet. You can have any tech support you like with a big cloud provider, but you don't get any. It has to be by... Uh, you know, by support ticket and it won't actually ever be customized or helpful to you. You're on your own. You have to make sense of it. And I think that one of the things that telcos could do here would be to actually provide a lot more partnership and hand cooperation into building a solution that actually works with enterprises, particularly who don't necessarily have enough skills or the the technology capability to make this happen. Is that reasonable?
1: I think it's absolutely reasonable again cuz many of those you know service providers have those existing customers and they have an existing relationship with them and and I'll just add one other thing to your list you know one of the things we hear over and over again is when customers are moving to the public cloud the the networking piece is actually quite challenging it's mm. it's not like it's you know as as easy as the cloud makes it to spin up a vm or you know to 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 get a new instance of of compute running getting the network piece to work correctly because it it involves multiple networks. It's not only the network within the cloud, but it's the wide area um, is actually pretty hard to to get right. And many customers struggle with managing that. So I think that this is an area where the service providers not only could create an easy button for um, for that networking piece, but they could create an easy button for how do you want to manage your data, how, you know, and, and still provide that uh, ready access to the public cloud, whichever public cloud you want to operate in. Um, they They could make it easy if you want to run like bare metal applications. It might be more cost effective, especially for edge optimized applications to run those on bare metal at the edge as opposed to in the public cloud. They can yeah. do many things here to add tremendous value to to customers um with you know this whole switch into edge
0: yeah I guess the the flip side here is that it doesn't mean that you're not going to use the the normal public clouds if you like or the or the legacy cloud. <laughs> That's a bit cheeky, but there you go. Um, You know, the the existing public clouds doesn't necessarily mean you won't use those. You might use a combination. Like, here's a practical business example that we wanted to talk about, which is the concept of building a content delivery network. If you're a service provider, in theory, you took um, revenue from customers and businesses for connecting stuff, but you didn't get to sort of participate in what went on over the top of the network. But if telcos could get more flexible. They could start to build CDNs inside their networks and whether cooperatively or singularly and sell them as a service, you know, enterprises could participate in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the long-term model for the edge with service providers is that it's it's hybrid, that they're going to be cooperating with the public cloud providers, not competing against. Um, and I think they're very complementary. In that um, in that regard, CDN is a great example, right? The mm-hmm. the content origination creation, I, I think you're going to see that predominantly happen in, but more and more probably in public cloud. You know, people are going to use the um, the public cloud tools on on the content creation. Content distribution is you know is an edge opportunity that today for many of the service providers you know it's become a cost center right it's it's they peer with you know existing CDN providers they they bear cost in order for content to be deployed inside their yeah. network There is a revenue-generating opportunity, and it's not just static content anymore. It's static and it's streaming. It's dynamic and interactive content that is becoming more relevant these days. So there's an opportunity for service providers to bring content delivery directly into their network, improve the experience for the customer, but also monetize that more directly, um, uh, both you know, one way is with the application, CDN application, live streaming application. But but you know, through uh, you know, if they want to have their own or if they want to do some sort of revenue sharing arrangement. The other is by having the platform to host all of those different CDN applications. That's horizontal um, and is close to the user. So there's a there's a very strong joint value proposition if in going in that direction.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, I, it's sort of a on one hand, you want to. I like to think of the CDN market as kind of feature-complete, like it's done. Uh, but there is still so much more because it doesn't necessarily have to be about streaming web pages in a content delivery market. It could be streaming application data. Uh, one that I think we recently spoke to somebody who's a industrial organization and they have machines that they put on-premise at the customer. And part of that is that they monitor all of the telemetry coming off the machines and one of the things that they're struggling with is getting enough bandwidth out there to communicate with the telemetry to say, are the machines working correctly? So if you're an enterprise and you're trying to get the processing closer to the customer, but not necessarily inside the premises, like one option is to obviously go and deploy some sort of, you know, uh, infrastructure stack that goes on premises to collect the telemetry data and make run some sort of local app and then upload. But the other part about it is maybe just move the application closer and closer to the edge of the network, so that the the feedback cycle or the feedback loop is so much tighter because the network's controlled.
1: Yeah, it and and look, I think both examples, whether it's running inside the firewall or it's running outside the firewall, um, are both uh, areas that will become important to this long-term architecture. So I don't think. It necessarily removes the notion of putting, you know, uh, an edge cloud or a small, you know, edge compute device running on premise. I think that could be part of the solution. The question comes down to how easily can you manage that um, in a, uh, you know, a, an automated way and a cost-effective way. So, you know, if I'm if I'm deploying multiple sites. Um, then how do I how do I manage that without doing truck rolls, right? Which is kind of the way people handle you know um, multi-site uh, you know uh, deployments today. I don't I don't want to have that type of situation. I want to have more automation. I want to be able to push updates easily. I want to be able to aggregate um, data from multiple sites back more cost effectively. And in some cases, it may make sense to do it on-prem, but increasingly, it'll be easier to do it in an edge cloud that's, that's close enough where I can manage it much more effectively and more cost effectively.
0: I guess the challenge here is, can service providers do this? They've been so, good, you know, they've been working hard to deliver bandwidth for, you know, decades and decades, and running services like this is something that's complex, uh, requires a different operational model. It requires uh, facing the customer, communicating with the customer constantly. It's not the sort of uh, we provision that. You know, screw it down, put a seal, you know, put the seal of quality on it and then walk away for a decade, sort of thing. It really has to be a change in that business model. Is there tools in the Juniper portfolio that actually let them deliver a, a high value service to a customer instead of this sort of like, so that they can make the business transition? I mean, telcos need to digitally transform here in a way.
1: The experience that the telcos have with um, building their own. Um, edge clouds, uh, I think, his, is improving over time, and we've, you know, we have an offering, you know, Contrail Cloud, where, you know, we have customers today, um, such as, you know, Deutsche Telekom, where they're building and running, you know, uh, very uh, mission critical services on a horizontal edge cloud that uh, is, you know, built upon, uh, you know, cloud uh a cloud technology stack you know contrail is one of the key pieces of that but Mm -hmm. they're they're building that and running that today the other solution that we're offering is a you know a managed edge cloud offering where again it's based on uh you know stack path that you know is a an investment of ours um that just brings the additional capability of for customers that are looking to you know, jumpstart that process has, they have less internal capabilities, um, to, to do that, it's it's a completely managed solution. They can focus more on um, migrating and spinning up applications, but it's completely agnostic with regards to um, uh, the applications that they run on top. So if they wanna you know, run bare metal, they wanna run applications that they develop and, and put on top of uh, VMs or containers uh, on StackPath on their own, Or they want to bring a hyperscale stack into the edge environment, you know, be it, you know, Google stack or Azure or what have you, they can do that. So we're we've created choice for service providers, whether they want to build and own it themselves or if they want to, you know, have a managed offering uh, to really help them, uh, you know, push this transformation to the edge much faster.
0: So I think I think the messaging that comes out here is that if you're an enterprise customer you might not be moving your email server into the service provider cloud but if you've got an application and you're an enterprise selling services to customers you might want to put your application into a service provider cloud is that unreasonable
1: No no it's not unreasonable but but maybe let me give you a slightly different example so there one of our customers is a large financial services company they uh, you know have an overall strategic initiative to move more of their applications into public cloud so some Mm -hmm. of those will you know they'll rationalize existing apps they'll move to SaaS. some they'll easily be able to you know say i'm going to move those applications into public cloud but yeah like we've talked about before they don't want to have that result in lock-in they don't want that to result in data being trapped in the public cloud and having to pay high fees on egress. So as they think about designing that end-state architecture, they're thinking about, well, how can I control this so that I have the ability to leverage the public cloud, but I can do so in a very cost-effective, secure way? So Hmm. what that looks like then is they're at the edge. They have to, to add some capabilities in order to do that. They need a data service. They need a networking service, right? Because as we talked about, networking into one or more public clouds actually requires some skill and they need a security service.
0: Yeah. Okay. So networking is a key and security will be a key. Exactly. Okay. So I think what we've sort of Spoken about today, Kevin. And I'm going to try and wrap this up, and then you can tell me where I'm bouncing this wrong. Right? Is that there is a a position that you could take that service providers can build cloud services that could be offered to enterprises. Now, it might not be the public cloud type model that you're used to, which is a conventional, you know, spawn a thing, use the thing, whatever. It's I think it's much more of a cooperative play, and it's not the it shouldn't be seen as it should be seen differently to what most people would see as a public cloud. Is that a statement that you could live with or is it more that you would wanna say?
1: It would be that edge is a really an emerging opportunity that is different than public cloud. The technology required to be there is going to be more optimized for a distributed environment that's gonna be more uh, coupled together with uh, network and security services that service providers are well positioned given that they've got existing relationships with those customers and those existing services and the footprint in which to uh, to manage that edge cloud capability it highly complements what the public cloud providers are doing and yeah. uh, and allows them to you know, really add value to their customers in doing so and that they can do it themselves with, uh, you know, a build and operate option uh, that, you know, uh, I think many of them are capable of doing um, Mm -hmm. or they can pursue it with a managed offering through, uh, through the solution that Juniper offers as well.
0: Yeah, and that that is an interesting thing. That managed offering is interesting because it's not only Juniper with the Contrail strategy and all of the technologies that they've got inside of that. They've also got partnerships with companies like StackPath, which is the edge computing platform that actually does the technology. And those are and they're deep relationships. They're not just sort of like, oh, hey, we're partners. There's actually a financial cooperation going on. Which, as we say here at Packet Pushers, if you're going to partner, make sure you put a ring on it sort of a thing. And that, that kind of the way I sort of think. Well, on that note, thanks so much for listening to the Packet Pushes today. It's been great to have you here. Thanks so much to Juniper for sponsoring it and for Kevin for telling us all about this uh, this area where clouds aren't always just one size, which I think is an interesting way to think about the discussion today. As always, you can find this and many more other fine free technology podcasts over on our website at packetpushes.net. If you've liked today's show, please tell a friend. It'd be really helpful because it helps us stay here. And if you've been following us for a while, you know we've been here for over 10 years and we're still doing it, which isn't bad so far. You can follow us on Twitter as adpackerpushes. Find us on LinkedIn and like us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough.